Coming soon. 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 A playlist original, this is the Films at Home podcast, your source for everything home entertainment. You guys probably know how much work can go into a YouTube channel, a podcast, my day job, raising a family, and as you can imagine, It's a lot and sleep is super important. So luckily, I have a great sponsor for today's video, Helix Sleep. Now Helix Sleep makes premium mattresses and bedding which are customized to fit your needs and they're shipped right to your door. To order my Helix mattress, I went online and took their sleep quiz. The sleep quiz matches your body type and sleep preferences up with the perfect mattress for you. You can also take the quiz with a partner. I did it with my wife to make sure you're both getting a mattress that you can compromise on and fits both of your needs. Now based on my results, Helix matched me with their Midnight Luxe mattress. Personally, I'm a side sleeper who likes a medium firm mattress and my wife sleeps on her stomach and also likes a very firm mattress so the midnight lux was a really good match for both of us i've had my helix mattress for 30 days now and i'm loving it the mattress is firm but not too hard past mattresses would have me waking up all night getting really severe hip pain right on the side of my body but with the helix midnight lux i've been sleeping great it was also super easy to buy a helix mattress online i took the sleep quiz i got my recommendation from helix added a few extras and checked out simple as that within a week the mattress was at my door and ready to go i was even able to customize my helix mattress with their glacio tech cooling cover now this was awesome because i run pretty hot and i like to stay cool when i sleep i put a fan on even in the winter so the cooling cover has helped me stay comfortable all night now the great thing about the helix sleep mattress is that you get a 100 night sleep trial along with a 10-year warranty and they also have financing options or flexible payment plans at checkout if you're at all nervous about buying a mattress that you haven't touched you haven't laid on you haven't slept on i totally get it i was the same way but the reason i went for helix is because if you don't love it they'll come pick it up and give you a full refund within that first 100 days. The best part is really the mattress comes right to your door. It's rolled up in a box for easy setup. Plus, the shipping is free in the U.S. So I love my Helix Sleep mattress, and I think you guys would too. So if you're looking for a new bed, check out Helix. Click on the link below or go to helixsleep.com slash films at home, and you can get up to $200 off your Helix Sleep mattress plus two free pillows. Hey everyone, Jeff here from Films at Home, and thank you for coming back to the Films at Home podcast for season two. This is episode one. I have finally moved into the new house. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube behind me, it is an absolute disaster while I'm still reorganizing and getting things up on the wall, but we've made some really good progress. So I'm filming this like early October. You guys probably won't hear this until mid to late October. So hopefully I'm a little bit further along there by that time, but I'm excited. We're starting season two. We have some really cool guests lined up for season two of the podcast. I plan to do about, you know, 10 to 12 episodes again, take a little break, and then we'll dive into season three if things are still going well. I'm still partnered with Playlist Studios, so thanks to them for producing this podcast, editing it for me, getting it up on all the podcast platforms. They're a great partner. Highly recommend them if you're ever considering creating your own podcast. So 
In this episode today, what I really want to talk about is sort of the psychology of collecting and curating a collection, which is something that I think in the physical media community and in a lot of different collector communities sort of gets overlooked when it comes to like the psychology of how to manage a large collection. Because, you know, whether you have a hundred or 1000 or 10,000 discs, depending on your space and what you have in your house, like those can all be at times hard to manage and having a collection of anything, whether it's movies, sports cars, cards, memorabilia, maybe you're collecting books, maybe you're collecting gems, maybe you're collecting stones or sticks from outside, like it doesn't matter what you're collecting. At the end of the day, there's sort of a, a deeper psychology behind this and uh, there's a need to curate. So I want to give you guys a little bit of insight into how I've been working through that having such a large movie collection and you know, trying to curate it, especially as I moved from one house to another, where I really needed to consult consolidate and sort of go through and say what's in what's out so when we think about collecting right there's a reason you collect there's a reason everybody starts to collect most of us don't start collecting things because we want a collection most of us start collecting things because there is a passion uh, or something for me it was Denzel Washington he is probably still my favorite actor and I wanted to buy his movies on Blu-ray because I got myself a Blu-ray player. What began as a collection of 10 to 20 Denzel movies grew into the collection you see today. But that's where you sort of have to go back and ask yourself, am I still collecting because I love what I'm doing and I'm passionate about it? Or am I finding myself collecting to keep up with the Joneses, to not have that fear of, of missing out and to just sort of collect for status? Because I think that's where collecting can start to be harmful, honestly, for your mental health. When it becomes a strain, when it becomes a financial burden, when it becomes something that you almost dread, like, you know, I see posts online from people and they go, oh, my wallet is going to be hurting this Tuesday. There's so many new movies coming out. And to me, I used to do that. I definitely used to be that way. I was working at a company that had a Target right down the street from it for a couple of years. I was at Target every Tuesday on my lunch break, buying the new releases, buying the Target exclusives, driving to the local Best Buy that was 10 minutes away, getting their steelbooks and their exclusives, picking up deals. I was really, you know, going crazy from fear of missing out. I didn't want to miss out. And I had this Instagram account, which I had just started. It was years ago, five, six years ago. I had like 500 to 1,000 followers and I wanted to keep up with the Joneses and get my content out there. But the content I was creating was more just to say, look, I did buy the newest movie, not, hey, I love this movie and I'm really happy to add it to my collection. So over the years, obviously the way I collect has changed a little bit. I still buy tons of movies. I buy lots of stuff, especially boutique stuff, but I do also get sent some stuff for review. So the collection has grown a little bit quicker than the typical person who doesn't have a YouTube channel or isn't doing movie reviews. And as it's grown, I've sort of found myself saying, do I really want 
this many movies? Do I really care about this many movies? And could I feel better mentally about my collection and less stressed out if I pared this thing down, really curated it, and made sure that it was a collection of things that I'm passionate about and that I really love and not just a collection of things that I have to say that I have them. And that's where I sort of drew the dividing line as I was going through my collection. A few months back before I moved over the summer of 2022, I sold off probably three or 400 Blu-rays. I actually sold them to an Instagram follower who wanted to kickstart a Blu-ray collection. I sold them for like $2 a piece. And then I went ahead and I traded in probably 50 to 100 more at Bull Moose and got store credit. The way I look at it is I'm not necessarily getting rid of movies that I care about. I'm not hurting my collection. I am building a better collection. If you think about it in that way and you really go through your collection and have that mindset, you know, it's, I think this is Marie Kondo on Netflix. A lot of people watch the show, but she says, does it spark joy when you hold it? And I know that sounds corny, but honestly, when you take a movie off the shelf, does that put a smile on your face? Are you happy to look at that movie? Are you happy you own that movie? Does it bring up any feelings of nostalgia or excitement? You know, is it a movie you're going to rewatch? If not, maybe it doesn't deserve a place in your collection and it would be better suited in somebody else's. So that's sort of what I did. I basically developed this little, I guess you'd call it like a workflow, like a flow chart. And I went movie by movie through all of my shelves. And I just asked myself, first off, have I seen the movie? Yes or no. If I have seen the movie, would I watch it again? Yes or no. And if I would watch it again, do I need it in this format? Because sometimes I had duplicates. I had DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Did I need all of those formats? That helped narrow down that group. Now, if I haven't seen the movie, right, is it a movie that I will actually watch? A lot of these movies that I was taking off my shelves, they've been in shrink wrap for three or four years. I bought them. I was like, yeah, I got to have this one for my collection just because I wanted to collect everything. Maybe I got it from the Dollar Tree for a dollar. Maybe I got it from Hamilton Book on a good deal. But I was just buying things to buy things. And they're still in their shrink wrap after four years. So if I haven't even opened the movie after three or four years, do I really need to own that movie? Probably not. And that's where those ones would go into the donation or sale bin. Obviously, you also go through, you check for duplicates. Like I said, formats. Do you have Blu-ray? Do you have 4K? Are there special features that you really wanted on the Blu-ray so you're keeping it? Or are you just keeping a duplicate because you want all the formats? Except for two movies, Halloween and Jaws, I didn't keep anything that was a lower format than what I had on the shelf. If I had a 4K, I got rid of the Blu-ray. Only Jaws and Halloween, because those are my favorites. I have those on VHS and Laserdisc and DVD. I have all the versions because I truly love those two movies. But everything else, no, I don't need a DVD and a Blu-ray copy of Poltergeist when a new 4K release came out. I don't need the Blu-ray of I Know What You Did Last Summer when a new 4K release just came out. So I'm paring it down that way. But a lot of it really came down to, like, is this a movie I'm going to watch can I ever see myself watching this? And if I have watched it, will I ever re-watch this movie again? And if the answer is no, you put that in the bin. If you're not going to re-watch it, why keep it on your shelf? Now, if you've been following me for a while, you may know I've talked about this briefly in videos or in different podcast episodes. I do collect sports cards as well. And to a lesser degree, sports memorabilia, but mostly sports cards. I like vintage old baseball cards. And 
when I got into that, I found myself sort of just buying everything I could, buying up a bunch of sports cards. And as I began to get deeper into that hobby and curate the collection, what I found myself doing was really looking at what I wanted. And say it's a $500 card, and I really, really want it. And because I bought so much, I have 50 cards that are worth $10 a piece that I'm kind of meh about. You know, I don't I don't really care. I thought they were cool for a second or I bought them because I got a good deal on them, but I didn't really want them. For me, what I've been doing, I will take those 50 cards, I will sell them for $10 a piece, I will get my $500 and I will buy one $500 card instead of having 50 $10 cards. And let me tell you, mental health super important. My brain feels way better about my collection holding one $500 card that I really treasure versus trying to find a way to store these 50 other cards that I really don't care about at the end of the day. And I probably bought on an impulse. The same can be said for movies. And that's what I've been doing. If you guys know me and you've been following along, you know that my favorite movie genre is the horror movie genre. I love horror movies. That is what I feel like I am an an expert in. If you ask me about horror movies, I know horror. I don't know film noir. I don't know Westerns as well. I don't know like the great 70s and 80s action movies. But if you ask me about horror movies, I know that category. It's what got me started into my love for movies. It's primarily what my collection is made up of. And that's what I wanted to focus on. So... I was going through my collection and, you know, there were a lot of these, what I'd call meh movies, these movies that I could probably trade in or sell for two or $3 and put a bundle of 20 of them together, get myself 50, $60 in store credit or in PayPal credit because someone paid me for them and I sold them on eBay or whatnot or wherever. And then I can go and buy maybe two Scream Factory 4K releases that I really care about and that are collector's editions and have great special features and are great movies like Candyman. Like that's what I'd rather have in my collection. I would rather spend $30 on Candyman on 4K and trade in 15 movies that I don't care about. First of all, it's better for storage. I'm now going from 15 Blu-rays down to one and I just feel so much better about owning that movie that I am passionate about, that fits in my collection, that is a high quality release with all the features I want and great packaging. And will I miss those 15 movies? Honestly, a lot of you guys, this is probably hard for you to do, but when you get rid of them, if they're truly movies that you're not going to rewatch, that you truly don't care for, you're not going to remember them. What you are going to remember is that you have this awesome release of Candyman on 4K because you were able to trade in other movies and basically upgrade and curate your collection. So that's something I really want to talk about here because there is that psychology, especially if you're online in the collector community. If you're in Facebook groups, if you're on Instagram, even if you just watch me on YouTube, I know that some of what I'm buying could potentially be in what I'm reviewing could be a bad influence for some people because they have the fear of missing out. I totally understand that. And I recognize that. And that's why I did want to approach this subject because it it can become overwhelming. I do it myself. Yes. I'm on YouTube. Yes. I, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people who follow me on social media, but I watch other channels and I see the releases they're getting. And I get that. I get that second of, I need to buy that. 
even though I've never heard of this movie, wow, that looks cool. I think I need to buy it. And then it sits on the shelf for three years and I never watched it because it's not really in my genre that I care about. It's not really a movie that I watch over and over again. I bought it purely for status. I bought it to keep up with the Joneses. And that is, in my opinion, not the way to collect. And at the end of the day, you you probably won't be happy collecting movies like that or collecting anything like that for that matter. Like you really do need to have a collection that is curated to your wants and your passion and your likes and not a collection that is curated to stand up to others online. Like I just don't think it's worth having for most people more than a couple of thousand movies. I know that this may be controversial. It's physical media. We want to support physical media. Yes, but we all are going to support it in a different way. In me or you trading in a bunch of movies for $2 that you didn't care about to buy another new physical media release supports physical media because you're supporting a new release. And it also puts 15 titles back out there in the circulation that somebody else can buy for their collection for a good price because they do care about that movie more than you do. So, you know, I, I know this is it's it's a tough concept to grasp, but a lot of people like I know I'm in the one percent of collectors where I can say I have this entire basement and it's dedicated to. You know, I'm working from home out of here, so I have a little desk set up, but the rest of the room is dedicated to my passion for physical media, um, a home theater setup, a TV, speakers, like it's dedicated to my love for movies. I know that I'm in a very small minority of people when it comes to having that space. And so, you know, if you are working with smaller spaces, you can get easily overwhelmed. Like it does clutter, does cause anxiety. Whether you are an anxious person, whether you stress out a lot, whether you consider yourself to be a pretty calm and laid back person, if you have a cluttered room that's overwhelmingly, you know, busting out of a closet somewhere, it's going to create anxiety. It can trigger, you know, depression. It can, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And I've been there. Like I've been there with the anxiety. I have had this issue. I was living in my parents' house. I was in their basement with my fiance at the time, who's, who's now my wife. And I had a thousand movies down there and there were piles of movies stacking up on top of bookshelves. And there were piles of movies on the floor and there was no place to put things. And I had to keep buying different storage solutions because, you know, the shelf that I bought that could hold 500 movies that I thought would last me a year only lasted me six months. So now I've got to figure something else out. And, you know, I've gotten some good pieces of furniture, like these rotating media shelves that you see behind me um, in this video, if you're watching on YouTube, like those are great because they're small footprint and they hold a lot of movies. But at the end of the day, when I moved in here, I'm still finding that I filled all my shelves and I have a couple boxes left of movies. So I went through and did another curation. I went through and did it again. And I really pressed myself this time where last time it was, you know, sort of obvious which movies I was going to get rid of. I really pressed myself this time to say like, hey, Jeff, do you need that movie? Do you really care about that movie? Do you really want it in your collection? And if there's any hesitation, I'd say goodbye to it. Now, I didn't get rid of any horror movies unless they were duplicates like Poltergeist. Yes, I got rid of the Blu-ray, but I have the 4K. And I didn't get rid of any 4K movies because 
that is sort of the highest quality that those movies will likely ever be on physical media. So I didn't want to get rid of them. Even if it's a movie I didn't love, I kept them because it's a really high quality transfer. And that I feel is important. But a lot of Blu-ray movies got kicked into the bin. I have another 200, 250 that I've pulled off my shelves. Everything from TV series that I was buying. Like um, I have the Blu-ray set of Miami Vice, the TV show from the 80s. I bought that because I was like, I just need to have it. It's a cool set of a show that I literally have never seen and can't ever imagine being a dad and working full time that I'm going to have the time to dive into all of Miami Vice, nor do I care to dive into that. If I have a free two hours, I'm popping in the latest 4K release, or I'm probably watching a horror movie. So stuff like that went in the bin. And it's hard. It's hard to do that, especially if you have spent, you know, $20 on this movie, and now you're throwing in a donation bin, you're only going to get, you know, five bucks for it at resale or as a trade in. Yeah, that's tough. But I'm telling you, you'll be happier. That $20 is already gone. So that's gone. You've spent it. Get your $5 back. Be happier. Buy something else that brings you more joy. And so I have to say, like, as I've been doing this, it's been a really healthy process. I have felt better about my collection. I haven't felt like my collection is this weight that is bearing down on me, this weight on my chest and this stressor of where am I going to put this? Where am I going to put these new movies I buy? I've now opened up four to 500 slots on my shelves and I'm making sure if I buy a 4k upgrade that blu-ray is being donated that's a one-to-one swap I'm not taking up any extra room I'm trying to buy more box sets trying to consolidate things where I can a great set that just came out paranormal activity it has all the paranormal activity movies it has a really cool documentary and so what I was able to do is take all the individual releases that I had off my shelf And now I've just got them in one nice box set. Even better if you can do like multi-features. One of my favorites, I have a four movie set that has the three Harold and Kumar movies and Beer Fest. You know what that means? It's the thickness of one Blu-ray case. I've got four movies that otherwise would take up four spots on my shelf. So I'm even thinking about it in that way, right? Is there a better way to consolidate down the collection while still having things displayed on a shelf? Because I'm not really advocating for, you know, putting discs in the binders or hiding things away in storage where you can't access them. Because to me, you might as well give those away. If that's what you have to do, you know, you're probably looking at moving into a a digital video service rather than physical media. And if you're putting things into storage, clearly you don't need them. You don't care much to display them unless, you know, there's different situations there. You might be moving or you're doing renovations or you do plan to put them on display someday. But if they've been sitting in storage for 10 years and you haven't ever pulled them out, maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to let them go. Let that stuff go and buy something that really gives you a a sense of pride and, and, and fulfills a passion for you and really, you know, builds a collection you're proud of versus a bin full of Blu-rays that, or DVDs that, you know, are just going to be a bin full of Blu-rays and DVDs until at some point you, you do finally get rid of them or you literally die and somebody else gets them. Like, I don't ever want that to be the case. I want this to be a curated collection 
full of movies that I care about with high quality formats. And that's what I'm working towards. So, you know, it is, it is definitely, it's a psychological thing as a collector. Um, The deeper you get into this, the harder it is to let go. It's really easy to let go of a movie when you have 20 movies and you, you know, you've just started buying them. It's really easy to let go of a piece of sports memorabilia when, you know, you only have a handful and it's not something you've dove into full time. But I know a lot of you guys who watch my channel, who listen to this podcast are in the same boat as me. Again, whether it's, you know, hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of pieces of media, um, you know, it's, it's not that everybody needs to do this, but I do think I hear a lot of times people are saying, I'm running out of space. This is killing my wallet. And I felt that way for a long time. And I budgeted for movies. And I was like, oh my God, I got to work this into my budget because, you know, I've got to make a car payment, but also I really need this Deadpool steelbook that came out at Best Buy. And it's like, don't do that guys, really like, like prioritize, right? Prioritize first, but also don't worry about it. There's, there's the fear of missing out that you don't have to worry about. If you can't buy a movie on release day, great. Don't buy it on release day. Buy it three months later, it'll be 10 bucks. Yeah, you had to wait three months. Yeah, you know, your Instagram post or your YouTube video might not be the most up-to-date thing that you've ever done. But at least you didn't break the bank to go out and get something. And give yourself some time too. If after three months you haven't missed not having that in your collection, maybe you didn't need it in the first place, right? Maybe it's not something that you actually cared about and it's something you cared about because you saw it online and you wanted to keep up your appearances and that's a it's a struggle and i'm telling you guys i'm not criticizing anybody i'm not like i i fully understand this i have been there i was this person for a very very long time i would have said to you give me every blu-ray you can find if you find a blu-ray i don't care where it is give it to me give me every disc you can find i'll take them all take everything vhs dvd give them all to me and it got stressful and it wasn't enjoyable, and I wasn't watching them. I wasn't watching them. So if you're not going to watch the physical media that you own, why own it? You can always buy it later for the most part if you want to watch it then. You know, very few things actually go out of print completely. In worst case, you can always find it online somewhere. And that's not a bad thing, you know? There are movies that I watch, and I stream them, and I watch it once, and I say, okay, I don't need to own that movie. Didn't really care for it. Wouldn't put that on my shelf, you know, is what it is. There's a guy I follow, um, Joe Martinez. He's a New England guy like me. And I, I like what he does with his movie collection because he has a massive, massive movie collection, tons of DVDs, tons of Blu-rays. He buys a ton of stuff but he curates in a really clever way. And he actually posts this to YouTube. He uh, does a series where he basically says, you know, what did and didn't make the shelf. And that's what first honestly really got me starting to think because I said, this guy has so many movies. How does he keep up? But they watch all their movies. Him and his wife, Marie, actually watch the movies and they watch them. And if they didn't like them, well, then they say, oh, it didn't make the shelf. It's going in a trade-in pile. It's going in a sale pile. They'll get rid of it. They watched it once. It's gone. They don't keep it on their shelf just to keep it. They use that money and they go buy something else to try something new or to buy a movie that they really truly care about for their collection. So I thought it was an interesting concept that he does. I would recommend watching those videos just to give you an idea of like, 
how he goes about curating. But, you know, for me, it was essentially a smaller scale version of that. Just like, should it be on my shelf or not? And if I didn't immediately feel passionate that this thing needed to be on my shelf, I need to own this movie in my collection. It went in the bin. It went in the donation bin. It went in the sale pile. And you're going to feel better. I'm going to bring a big pile of movies to Bull Moose. And, or, you know, you can do it at your local video store. Sell them in bulk on Facebook Marketplace. Put up 100 Blu-rays. Sell them for $250. Have somebody come grab them for $250 a piece, right? Even $2 a piece. Sell them for $200. You could buy 10 collector's edition 4Ks for $200. You could buy, you know, seven or eight special edition box sets. You know, you you can get way more bang for your buck than a couple of Dollar Tree, you know, movies that you just bought because they were a dollar, but don't really mean anything to you. And that that's just serious. That's how I would approach it. Um, especially once you get to a certain size collection and it becomes overwhelming and it becomes stressful, like focus on what you love and find a way to get what you love without breaking the budget. And if you do have shelves and shelves full of movies, consider that currency. You can trade those in, you can sell them. That is currency. That is money that you can use towards your collection. You just have to be willing to let go. So I'm really curious, like what you guys think about this approach. Have you done this yourselves? Like what was your experience uh, with curating a collection? Do you have sort of rules that you set for yourself? Because I definitely now have these rules, even if it is, you know, I always I get press releases all the time now. People are even stuff that I, I, I've never heard of. People send me emails out of the blue because I've got a YouTube channel. And I scrutinize those now. Like, I, I don't want to just take a movie in just because somebody offered it to me. Because, first of all, I want to be able to produce content around that movie that I actually care about and be passionate about. And I don't want that movie clogging up my shelves if I don't care about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting very picky in, in choosing carefully even which ones that get offered to me for nothing because I would rather go out and spend my own money and buy something from Shout Factory or Criterion or Arrow Video or MVD or Blue Underground or Kino than to just get, you know, some random movie that I've never heard of that I know I won't watch and will sit on my shelf. I'd rather spend my own money than have to deal with bringing that movie into my collection and it finding a pile somewhere and literally sitting there until it rots like that's what's going to happen. So I, I want to know what you guys think about all of this, because I know it's hard. I know that collector mentality that I obviously have that a lot of you guys have, like we don't want to give our stuff up, but it's a really healthy process. It's a really healthy thing to do, uh, in my opinion, is is to let things go, to declutter, to sell things off and to to curate. And curate is really the key word. If it's if it's your collection, collect for you. Don't don't collect for somebody else. Don't collect because I used to do this all the time. Well, I'm going to buy that movie because uh, I, I somebody someday might want it and maybe I'll have it. And it's like, it's not my job. My job is to enjoy my collection and curate it to my personal tastes. And of course, my family. I kept lots of kids movies. I kept movies my wife likes. Like I kept a lot of that stuff. 
but it's about me and my family and my personal passions and interests. It, it isn't about trying to keep up with anybody who's on Instagram who has different tastes than I do, because I think that's the beauty of it. If we're all buying the same exact thing, then where's the variety, you know, in the content? That's why I love content creators like Serial at Midnight, because Heath has a very different collection than I do. He dives into older formats. He gets into DVD more often than I tend to get into. And he has introduced me to a lot of very cool movies that I enjoy a lot. But he's also talked about a lot of movies that I say, you know, I couldn't see myself buying that, but I'm glad he's enjoying it. And I love his passion for that movie. And that's exciting to watch. So, you know, it's it's all about what you want. Don't collect because your neighbor bought this movie. Your friend on Instagram bought this movie. It's it's a, honestly a toxic way to collect. Don't collect just to keep up with others. Keep up appearances. And don't collect just so you can put a photo or an Instagram reel together. Because trust me, you're going to get burnt out on that pretty quick. And you're not going to enjoy what you actually have around you. You'd be way better off keeping to yourself, setting a budget, buying things that you love. And sure, you may not get a bunch of likes on your picture, but you're going to be way happier in the long run. And I know, I trust me, I know this sounds probably a little bit hypocritical coming from a guy who creates content, but you guys have to remember that at the end of the day, I create this content because I am passionate about it. This is something I care about. And when I have found myself creating content that I don't care about, or I'm not as passionate about that I feel forced to create. I hate that. Uh, you guys don't even know how many videos that I've deleted because I've just said, you know what? This isn't right. Like, I don't feel right talking about this. I'm not passionate about it. I'm not excited. This isn't going to make for good content. And I delete that video or I delete that Instagram post I, I, or I just never posted. It. it sits in the drafts because I say, I don't, I, I don't care about this. This isn't right. And I've had to make those tough you know, kind of internal calls with my own brain and say, like, do I really care about this stuff or not? Um, but at the end of the day, I'm creating content. And I'm, of course, so happy that it blew up. And I'm happy that I have this big community and that you guys watch and like these videos. And it's awesome. But I don't do this for that. I do it because I have a passion for this stuff. I want to share my passion with others on the internet. I want to encourage others to find this passion and support something like physical media that I truly believe in, but I'm not doing it for likes. I'm not doing it for the the most you know Instagram views I can get, the most YouTube views I can get. Uh, I get more views on videos and stuff that I post when I am passionate about it. And you guys will see that if you ever decide to get into this type of content creation. Like if you're passionate about something and people feel that, you're going to naturally get more attention than if you try to force something just because it's popular or just because it's trending. And I'm really happy that I've sort of finally found that um, that lane, both, both in my content recently uh, over the last couple of years, but also just within my own collection. And it's been a really healthy process. And, and that's why I wanted to share it with you all here on this first episode. So, you know, I hope you enjoyed this topic. I know it's a little bit deeper than just, you know, talking physical media, but it is an important thing that I think gets overlooked. Like there is a, a definite mental health aspect to collecting 
and you don't want to become a hoarder. Um, I, I participated in this documentary that was filmed during the pandemic in 2020, like in the heyday of the pandemic. And we all recorded our own um, video interviews for it and they compiled it all together. And it was a documentary about movie collecting. Um, the one thing I didn't like was they called it movie hoarders. That was the name of the movie. It was called movie hoarders. And I don't think that's healthy. Like hoarding anything isn't healthy. So I don't love that term movie hoarders. Like don't be a movie hoarder, be a movie collector. And I guarantee you, you can watch people out there. This has happened to others who have amassed large collections. And then all of a sudden you'll see them post a video. Hey, I'm trading in all my Blu-rays. I'm selling all my Blu-rays. Do you know why? Because it gets overwhelming because it's not fun anymore, because it's not passionate. So you don't, you don't want to get to that point. So trust me, curate and really choose what goes on your shelf now before you're in too deep and you find yourself kind of in this hoarder hole. Don't be a movie hoarder. Super excited I got to be in that documentary. It's cool. You guys should watch it. Lots of familiar faces in it, including my own. But I just don't love the title. It's a little negative. So let me know what you guys think about all this. Um, but like I said, this is just the first episode. We got a little deep here. We got into psychology world. Um, episode two, we're going to start with the guests. Um, I have some really cool guests lined up. We got some more people who are running video stores. I got some more people from boutique labels and online retailers who are dealing in physical media. Um, we're going to try to get some more people that are into like restorations. Also going to try to get a few new people who have launched new labels. I'm working on some stuff right now. Uh, with that. And obviously always, you know, if you guys have a recommendation for somebody you'd like to hear uh, me talk with on the podcast, whether it's another YouTuber, whether it's somebody who's active on Twitter or Instagram, you know, whoever they are, if they're involved in this world, you know, I, I'd love to, to connect with them if they have something, you know, unique to, to talk about and a unique experience or angle to share. So definitely send those along in the comments, DMs, however you want to do it. Uh, emails are always open as well. But I appreciate you guys watching or listening to this first episode. Hope you enjoy this. Definitely more good stuff to come. And as always, make sure you're subscribed to me on your favorite podcast apps. You can find this whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts right now, whatever your podcast app is, this show is probably on there. So make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you're enjoying the content. And if you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe there on YouTube so you never miss an update. But Appreciate you guys watching and listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy out there. And I mean that mentally and physically. Stay healthy, maintain your collection, and be happy with what you have. Mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, but yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your day. And get excited for the rest of season two because there's some really good stuff coming. Coming soon. Be sure to subscribe to the Films at Home podcast using your favorite app so you don't miss another episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review this podcast, which helps us out tremendously. You can also help support us by watching our short form content over on YouTube and TikTok by searching Films at Home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at films underscore at underscore home. The intro and outro were created by Elon Osborne. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.